Waffle On Podcast. Welcome to this edition of Waffle Arm Podcast, in which we talk about the classic Monty Python film, Life of Brian. My name is Simon Meddings. And I'm Mark C. Kelly. Welcome to the show. Here we go. Uh, we're cracking straight on today, aren't we, Carl? Because we yeah. noticed that our last podcast was a little bit too long. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was a short version. I know. I know. I know. Um, yeah, we chose uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian. Why did we choose Life of Brian? In fact, we, it was a toss-up, wasn't it, between Life of Brian and Meaning of Life. Yeah, mainly because Life of Brian is the funniest movie ever made. I would have to agree. I think that's a good enough reason to do a podcast about any film ever, isn't it? We were just, funny enough, before we started doing this podcast, we were talking about Life of Brian. We talk about Me and Life. We're Mm. both fans of the Me and Life. We will do that, but it's the weakest one. And if you put that against Life of Brian, it's a very unbalanced scales, isn't it? I suppose it is. It's hard, it's a bit, it'd be hurtful to turn around and say it's the weakest one, though, isn't That's, it? That's, I know, it's, it, yeah, it's... Because it, it is a great film. It's a though. great film, but it's got weak parts where Love of Brian... Love of Brian has no weak parts. I don't, maybe one little... One little bit. We'll, 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 we'll see if we agree minute. on the same thing. <laughs> okay, so, uh, unusual for Waffle Arm, we are actually going to try and get straight into the film. Of course, no doubtly, we will be uh, diverting into various ways. Uh, what? With our reputation. <laughs> oh. uh, so let's get straight into production. Uh, now, the first film, actually, well, no, the category, the second film of Monty Python, yeah. uh, Hardy Girl, the first one being uh, now for something completely different, uh, was completed in 1975. And of course, the, uh, they enjoyed filming together. Ben White, John Cleese had left. Uh, Monty Python at that time, they decided to do another film. Uh, the idea came up, which was from Eric Idle, who flippantly uh, thought, let's do a film called Jesus Christ, Lust for Glory. And, uh, <laughs> which I think would have been a, uh, would a been, good film. It uh, would have been brilliant as well, wouldn't mm. it? Which, of course, was a play on the UK title for the 1970 American film Pattern. Um, they, they kind of went with this idea, um, but it was more of a, a kind of uh, lampooning the New Testament, in essence. And they did... After various amounts of conversation, they come up with the idea that, well, maybe, you know, that probably wouldn't be the best thing to do using Christ himself. Well, like, as, we, as you're going to go on and say, that enough trouble. <laughs> yeah. that, just think of the trouble. It probably would have been okay in, in uh, Britain. Yeah, well, they, so they say here, this is to, to actually quote, they had a brainstorming session, you're like this, uh, in Amsterdam. Talking about theology in Amsterdam. I wonder why. <laughs> uh, however, after an, uh, an early brainstorming phase, and, and uh, despite all of the Pythons being non-believers, they agreed that Jesus was definitely a good guy and found nothing to mock in his actual teachings. Uh, when you actually think about it, you know, that's... that's Pretty right, really. Of course it is. Yeah. In brackets, kind of stuff. And the focus then on the uh, the, the idea came about uh, there being a thirteenth disciple, ah, oh. called uh, called Brian. Um, this, of course, you know, 
generally shifted away from this idea. And uh, they, they decided to go to uh, you know, the place. Now, well, I'm a writer. And when I think to myself, now, where can I go to do my writing? I tend to go upstairs. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Pythons decided to go to Barbados. I know. Yeah. And there's some fantastic pictures of them writing in Barbados, isn't they? Look over in a while at a time. Yep. Especially Graham Chapman. <laughs> Graham Chapman. Well, let's not go there. I'm like, <laughs> Graham was thinking. But uh, that, apparently, there quite a few people visited them when I was in Barbados, most notably Keith Moon. Oh, uh, yeah. Keith Moon was actually going to appear in Life of Brian, but of course, sadly passed away. Um, I wonder what he would have done in it. What do you oh, think? Oh, no. It, it would have been absolutely crazy. Do you know what I think he would have done? Who? Um, Teddy Gilliam's part. I was the jailer. One, one thing down to the left. It would have been the, I'm mad. The more of a man. Yeah, the more of a man. I think, you know, he probably would have been, yeah. Um, so, writing began December 1976, and the first draft was completed by 1977. Final pre-production of the draft began in January 1978, whilst I was over in uh, Barbados. Now, this is where the interesting thing comes on. Of course, Python at that point was extremely huge, and everyone wanted a little bit of John Cleese. Forty Towers had done extremely well. And so, EMI Films... Uh, under the guise of Bernard Delphine, decided that they would, uh, you know, take it off and they would they would distribute it. In the last minute, they dropped it because they read the script. They read the script. Therefore, yeah. they got scared. What else? Who else did EMI drop after being scared by them? Oh, good question. Music related. Uh, is it Neil Young? No. Seventy-seven. Uh, pistols. The Sex Pistols. Yeah. Biggest mistake they made, wasn't it? Oh yes, because they, well, that's it. they went on to sign for um, was it Virgin? Virgin, uh, which, well, made, dro- which made Blanson then to a certain degree. Wait, right? no, he did two albums. Oh, this has got nothing to do with as as we are waffling on. Mm. Two albums made Fingy. It was Tubular Bowels and Nevermind the Bollocks. Yeah, those are the two. And Tubular Bowels, no one wanted it because no. it was too it's too overblown. And look at them two albums. Well, there you go. Still being bought today. Still so being bought today. Tubular Bowels still sells millions, oh, isn't well, it? Yeah, mainly because of it's not my one. yeah, it's not my cup of tea personally. You just want the main. Yeah, didn't it? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so Bernard Delphine uh, dropped them. Now, if you notice at the end of the film of, of uh, Life of Brian, when they're singing "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life," which of course that's the song we're going to play at the very end of the yeah. podcast after the promos, and uh, everyone loves uh, "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life." It'll actually be the album version of the film version, which is slightly different. But if you listen to that, Henry Cardell turns around and says, "Bernie, they'll never make their money back on this one," and that's a knock. At Bernie Delphine. Ah, oh, yeah, that's a nice little. Yeah, I didn't know that. Excellent. Well, they pulled. Terry Gilliam later said that they pulled out on the Thursday. The crew was supposed to be leaving on the Saturday. So this is how tight it was. Now, personally, I think you're the. I think you agree with me. My favourite Beatle, and I think the best Beatle, George Harrison. It was George Harrison. It was George Harrison. It, no, it was. Not, it, only, not one of the nightest, nightest men you could have met. He was a proper cool it. individual. Yeah. Do you know what I, I read about him? Because he was deeply religious, right? Mm. But uh, his best friend was an atheist and he had no problem with it. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Sums up why he, liked that, why he wanted to film that film. Hmm. He, was into, he was into freedom of choice, freedom of expression. Yeah. That's what he was all about. And also he understood the script. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the most important thing. He read the script. He wasn't a money man, was he? No. This is the time where the record labels and film companies was like being run by uh, by uh, uh, money men, economics instead of artistic freedom. No, I think you're exactly right. Yeah, that's when the studios changed, and of course, money came into it. It Mainly, I think possibly because of Star Wars, because Star Wars was such a huge money maker effect, and also uh, regardless of our feelings towards George George Lucas. Uh, But at the time, of course, uh, no one wanted to buy Star Wars. No one had anything to do with Star Wars, so he just turned around and said. Okay then, I'll keep the merchandise right. And that's when the studio suddenly took note. Um, yeah. So, 
George Harrison, being very good friends with Eric Idle, mainly Eric Idle and also Marco Palin, decided to back this film. And in doing so, he created handmade films. Now, I can't express how important handmade films is uh, to a certain degree. Um, they made some brilliant films, but they also had a producer involved called Dennis O'Brien, who, uh, in my opinion, when you read the book, if you do get the chance to read the book, Kelly Lendy, yeah, yeah, no, uh, very naughty boys, the story of handmade films. Uh, you realise how, how the dream of George Harrison was to give artists the money and the freedom to make a film and not interfere because that's how he liked to do music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that worked perfectly well until Dennis O'Brien decided that he wanted to be the ultimate film producer and actually start doing something that producers shouldn't do, and that is pretend they can make films. Oh, no, yes. You back the films, you don't get involved. It's Unless you're a filmmaker yourself. All the great studios of, of all, fa- you know, MGM, you know, there is no MGM. It's like really mad. In this day, there's no MGM, and that was destroyed because of producers taking over. Yeah, exactly. Because they become the most powerful person in a film, should never be the most powerful person. No. No. And it's, it's such a shame because uh, you know, this is a man who turned around and said that with Nile and I, uh, where's the slapstick comedy moments in it? Excuse me? No. Did you not read with Nile and I? Uh, this is a person during the, the uh, initial screenings of Life of Brian, wanted to can the whole film because he didn't find it funny. Uh, just because to show really. Handmade films, of course, is, is no longer uh, around. The sad thing is, is um, when uh, Handmade Films closed down in the late 80s, they threw away all the film stock in the skip, including deleted scenes of this film. Oh, so a... only three scenes are, are, are available, um, which we'll talk about later on. Um, Harrison does actually make a cameo appearance in this film uh, as Mr. Papadopoulos, the owner of the mount, which I find quite funny. Yeah, yeah. The man who owns the mount, where the, the, the famous yeah. sermon took place. Um, you do see him briefly shake hands with Brian in the crowd scene and go, hello, in his classic images, of course, over the later one. Now, directive duties for this film was taken over solely by Terry Jones and uh, Terry Gilliam uh, ended up doing all the uh, set design which perfect uh, marriage if you ask me well there you go you've got people who've got a vision Mm. Um, no exactly right I can't say more than that really because it's so perfectly well I think there was a bit of a mix match wasn't there during the Holy Grail where there was like directing against each other that it didn't really work at times and you can see when you know that happened you can see the different people who are directing the different bits you really can can't you oh yeah definitely definitely and let's be honest about Teddy Gilliam, uh, you know, he's a man of his, you know, he's very much of his own way. And how he ever worked co-directing a film is amazing, isn't it? Oh, God, no. I love Ben must have had right raves about that, and I know they did, didn't they, anyway? One of the things that Gilliam did actually direct in uh, Brian is the starship moment with the spacecraft. Now, we'll talk about that as we go along in the film. Uh, but a nice little thing that you might uh, uh, like, this, this was all done in camera uh, using a hand-built model starship and miniature uh, prosthetics. Uh, this was influenced by Star Wars, and afterwards George Lucas met Terry Gilliam in San Francisco and praised him for his work. That's <laughs> all mine. So that's quite nice. Um, so a little bit about the shooting. Now, the film was shot on location in a monastery in Tunisia, which allowed the production to reuse the sets from uh, Zafeli's Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I've got Jesus of Nazareth on DVD, old uh, yeah. Robert Powell. They're very different films. <laughs> Extremely different films. But the funny thing is, you see the sets. And you yeah. the sets. Doesn't look, doesn't look like going anywhere. And uh, many of the locals were employed as extras on Life of Brian, and uh, Terry Jones noted they were all very knowing because they'd all worked on Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. So I had all these Tunisians telling me, well, oh, Mr. Zafeli wouldn't have done it that way, you know. Um, yeah. Graham Chapman should be pointed out here 
year, who plays the main character in this role, uh, had suffered quite badly from alcoholism. Well, he, he was re- he's, he's, he was ill, wasn't he? He was, really weak. he was weak, wasn't he? Yeah. Was he frail, wasn't he? Was he was seriously ill. Now, he was so determined to play the lead role, uh, and at one point was going to go to John Cleese, uh, that he dried out. He just went totally detox, dried out in time for filming. And he, was, he became that fit and was that on form, he became the on-set doctor as well. So <laughs> after filming... He then went over to the office and went and did a, a duty as a doctor. <laughs> now that to me says... says I think it sums up Grand Chapman when he does something. He does, he it, does fully. it fully on, yeah. That's him, that's why I love him. It's a bit... Now shooting took place between the 16th of September and the 12th of November in 1978. Now as we said earlier on, there was a two hour long cut rough version of this film made. Uh, but of course it was re-edited and re-cut down and when uh, um, Handmade closed down they got rid of a lot of these scenes there's only a few scenes actually left and those scenes are uh, the sheep scenes at the beginning with the shepherds yeah it's okay which is okay it's okay uh, and um, I think there's a few extra extra scenes but nothing really to, to show out oh the Otto scene where um, you do see them at the end when they're all they're, they're being crucified which of course we'll talk about later on you'll see the bodies on the floor when he goes Suicide Squad that was redubbed now that actually was a big part but the ah. reason why they cut it for they actually cut it for pacing and Marcus Palin says this in his diaries at the time of filming so it's not something they said later on just no, because no, I thought no. we yeah. cut it now if you look at Otto he's got a yellow star on there so I don't mean with a um, swastika in it which of course is not a swastika in mean, Roman times yeah, yeah, yeah. something totally different yeah. and that's so uh, they probably thought it was a little bit dodgy but ah. it was actually Actually, just because of... Uh, because of pa- not because of taste, it was yeah. pacing. Now, our good listeners here might have noticed that we haven't played the theme tune to this film. Because, why not? Because I wanted to play as we are going through the film. A slight change there. A little bit of a change there, everyone. I like to stir things up, mate. You, what? You, look, you look confused. I do. I'm confused. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the film actually just start off uh, with the three wise men. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they got the three wise men heading towards what they see the star and this is obviously where the saviour is going to be born unfortunately they walk into the wrong <laughs> the wrong uh, it's classic farce isn't it it's a classic farce based on classic British well, farce there, there, there right? must have been many many kind of like you know cow sheds out there yeah, yeah. and they walk in the wrong one and there we see uh, Brian's mum uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've young Brian because they, they, they go and praise him and they realise they're in the wrong one they come back take the presents and almost punch you in the face, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is brilliant. <laughs> and that's when we get the theme tune to Life of Brian. Brian, the babe they call Brian. Yes, his face 
He's, he's a great <laughs> thing to him. It just shows you how great this film is. From the, the first, it's, it comes on the screen. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, the, also when you listen to the lyrics of that theme tune, it tells you much about the whole the fact that this film is about a guy, just a man called Brian. Yeah. So even then, you can tell that we. we I don't. The thing, the trouble is, is that I think we're going to end up trying to be a bit too defensive when we talk about this film. And I think it's hard yeah. not to be, isn't because it? Because we love it so much as well. We've been watching it since, you know, a long time ago we were watching it being a laugh ride. Like I said, I watched it again the weekend. Mm. I laughed as much as a laugh when I first saw it. Yeah. How can that be? Well, there you go. It, it just goes to show how much You know exactly, you know, the picture, the lines, yeah. you know, when they're coming, you know, the payoff. Exactly. Now, we've got a few clips uh, that we're going to be playing. Um, we'll just slip them in as we go along. And so the film starts after the titles as it comes across Saturday afternoon just before tea time. Yeah. And you hear that loads of people are heading towards the mains. And as the camera comes along, we see Jesus standing there. And it's beautifully shot. Actually, Terry Jones makes a point of saying, this is purposely shot. So it's all done in total respect of Jesus Christ because he's actually slightly, if you notice, there's a slight light around him. That's yeah. actually the, the natural sun around him. And we hear him uh, doing a song like that. Now we're going to play that clip now. How blessed are the sorrowful. They shall find consolation. How blessed are those of gentle spirit. They shall have the earth for their possession. How blessed are those who hunger and thirst to see right prevail. They shall be satisfied. How blessed are those whose hearts are pure. They shall see God. Speak up! Quiet, Mom. Well, I can't hear a thing. Let's go to stoning. You can go to stoning any time. Oh, come on, Brian. Will you be quiet? Don't pick your nose. I wasn't picking my nose, I was scratching. You were picking it while he was talking to that lady. I wasn't. Leave it alone, give it a rest. Do you mind? I can't hear a word he's saying. Don't you do you mind me? I was talking to my husband. Well, go and talk to him somewhere else. I can't hear a bloody thing. Don't you swear my wife. I was only asking her to shut up so he can hear what he's saying, big nose. Don't you call my husband Big Nose? Well, he has got a big nose. Could you be quiet, please? What was that? I don't know. I was too busy talking to Big Nose. I think it was blessed are the cheesemakers. <laughs> What's so special about the cheesemakers? Well, obviously, it's not meant to be taken literally. It refers to any manufacturers of dairy products. See, if you haven't been going on, we'd avoid that, Big Nose. Hey, say that once more, I'll smash your bloody face in. Better keep listening. Might be a bit about blessed are the big noses. Oh, lay off him. Oh, you're not so bad yourself, Conkface. Where are you two from? No city? One more time, mate. I'll take you to fucking cleaners. Language! And don't pick your nose. I wasn't going to pick my nose. I'm going to thump him. You hear that? Blessed are the Greek. The Greek. Mm. Well, apparently. 
Frank, he's going to inherit the earth. Did anyone catch his name? You're not going to thump anybody. Oh, thump him if he calls me Big Nose again. Oh, shut up, Big Nose. Pop. What? I warned you. Oh, really, we'll slug you. Stop. Oh, the meek. Blessed are the meek. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? I'm glad they're getting something because they have a hell of a time. Listen, I'm only telling the truth. You have got a belly, Big Nose. Hey, your nose is going to be three foot wide across your face by the time I finish with you. Shh. Well, who it yours then? Glass, Big Brother. Oh, right. That's your last warning. Oh, you pipe down. Silly bitch. Get away. So there you go, and the camera pulls out, as we've just heard on the clip, and you hear them shout, speak up. This is the point. The whole point of this film now starts off, there's Jesus doing his bit on the Sermon on the Mount. We then pull away from that character, from that individual, from that person, to Brian. Two different, there we go. We can't stress how much that's Jesus over there. He's gone. He's off now. And here is Brian. You've got a parallel life, haven't you? Yeah. That's all it is, and it's like the thing of... I think there's a big thing there saying that the further you get away from the actual thing, the truth gets weakened down. Yeah. And people take their own version of what he's saying because they can't hear it. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things to be said about that in religion, isn't that? If people actually took the source thing, it's very different than how people actually act it out. Now, I'm going to say something to you which we're going to come across, uh, come back to later on. That's ten minutes into the film now, isn't it? We yeah. used to see yeah, it. Yeah. That's when Muggeridge and the other guy turned up to watch the film. Oh. They missed that bit. Oh. Right, so we'll come back. People will be thinking what you're on about, but we'll come yeah, back yeah, to that yeah. later on. Now, after the summer, as you heard, they go to stoning, which I think is just a brilliant... Actually, this was the, the, the stoning scene was the first scene to be shot in Life of Brian. Bloody hell, I must have died when they were doing that. Oh, that must have been brilliant. And uh, <laughs> if you've not seen it, here's the clip. Mathias, son of Deuteronomy of Gath. Well, be yes. 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 You have been found guilty by the elders of the town of uttering the name of our Lord. And so, as a blasphemer, you are to be stoned to death. Look, I had a lovely supper, and all I said to my wife was, that piece of halibut was good enough for Jehovah. Blasphemy! He said it again. Did you hear him? Any women here today? Very well. By virtue of the authority vested in me. Oh, Leo, we haven't started yet. Come on. Who threw that? Who threw that stone? Come on. <laughs> Sorry, I thought we started. Go to the back. Oh, dear. Always one, isn't there? Now, where were we? Look, I don't think it ought to be blasphemy. Just saying Jehovah. (laughs) You're making it worse for yourself. Making it worse? How could it be worse? Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. I'm warning you, if you say Jehovah once more, right, who threw that? 
you? Yes. Right. Well, you did say Jehovah. <laughs> Do you understand? Even, and I want to make this absolutely clear, even if they do say Jehovah. <laughs> What makes me laugh is John Cleese doing his Basil. It's almost Basil Fawlty, isn't it? He's Basil Fawlty. I don't know he says he is, but he is. It is. It's funny, you hear his voice slightly break as well when you do. But but the fact that all all the women have bought these false beards. I just love the dance that the one who's being stones doing. I love that. I I love that. (laughs) Because there's loads of really funny old blokes in this, isn't there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I like it. Now, after the stone, you see they're walking back and of course Brian's talking about sex well he's not he's talking about has he got a big nose yeah and his mum turns around and says sex sex this is what you're, talk- what you're always talking about right. now this is another note this next scene in which we see the ex-leper wonderfully played by Michael Palin yeah. uh, asking for money they're all begging and we'll, we'll, we'll play that scene now and then talk about it yeah. arms for a leper arms for a leper arms for an ex-leper bloody donkey owners all the same ain't they never have any change Oh, here's a touch. Spare a talent for an old ex-leper? Buzz off! Spare a talent for an old ex-leper? A talent? That's more than he earned in a month! Half a talent, then. Now, go away! Come on, big nose, let's haggle. What? All right, cut the aggrin. Say you owe him the one shekel. I started 2,000. We close about 1,800. No. 75. Go away! 740. But will you leave him alone? All right, two shekels, just two. In this fun, eh? Look, he's not giving you any money. Now, piss off! Alright, so I'm a fun lopper, I'll check up on our ex-lipper. Did you say ex-lipper? That's right, sir. Sixteen years behind a bell, I'm proud of you, sir. Well, what happened? Oh, cured, sir. Cured? Yes, some bloody miracle, sir. God bless you. Well, who cured you? Jesus did, sir. I was hopping along, minding my own business. All of a sudden, up he comes, cures me. One minute I'm a leper with a trade, next minute my life nude's gone. Not so much as a by your leave. You're cured, mate. Bloody do-gooder. Well, why don't you go and tell him that you want to be a leper again? Oh, I could do that, sir, yeah. Yeah, I could do that, I suppose. What I was thinking, I was going to ask him if he'd make me a bit lame in one leg during the middle of the week. You know, something beggable, but not leprosy, which is a pain in the ass. to be blunt, excuse my French, sir, but... Uh... Brian! Come and clean your room out! There you are. Thank you, sir, thank you. Arthur Dinari, my bloody life story! There's no pleasing some people. That's just what Jesus said, sir! So, this is another example here of where Jesus is being mentioned, almost to point out that it's not the same character, in the fact that he's a bloody do-gooder because he's actually cured him, <laughs> took away his business. Well, it's brilliant thinking of it's like the it's like I love thinking like that in comedy. It's like in uh, Wayne's World where the guard gets killed mm. and then it goes back and his buddies are waiting for him in the bar yeah. and it's Rob Lowe and he goes he's not like <laughs> he's been killed yeah. and it's exactly right. You think well, what happens to the other little people? And it's like him, yeah. he gets cured, but what does he do now? Yeah, and I love thinking like that. that that's proper surreal thinking. It's- to me, that is where you're thinking outside the box, and that's an awful thing to say because I, I think that's it's, it's a bit of a wanky thing. It is, but I you know, know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? The thinking more than the gag. 
Yeah. The, the, the thinking, there's life in this gag. Mm. And that's what I love. That's why the Monty Poffins are greatest writers of all time, personally, in comedy. But there you go. Oh, definitely. It's, it's a beautiful writer. And as you say, as you say one, one minute he, had a, a, he was a man with a trade, the next minute he's not. Yeah, and then what's he do? And then was it? We're well, going to make him slightly lame on Tuesdays. And then, you know, <laughs> but, but that, again, that's so funny. But there's that scene when he puts the, uh, the coin, he says, oh, I think they When you notice, you see the coin fall at the bottom. No, you, you watch again. But he happens. puts the coin in when he looks at it. He puts yeah. the coin in. And he looks. At it, he just looks at the floor. And then turns around and as he does multiples that beautiful little dance. And as he skips off, he skips around the big turn. Oh, I love that bit. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love that bit. The way he dances around. Yeah, it's really it's funny. Yeah. He carries on. Now, after the ex-leper scene, they go back into the house, and this is where there's a Roman soldier um, sitting there waiting for Brian's mom. So quite clearly, uh, Brian's mom also does services for Romans. For and Brian's not too happy about a Roman being here. And he goes, what's the bloody Romans there? And, and he, she turns around and says, um, you, you know, you've got to remember that your father isn't Mr. Cohen. He goes, I never thought he was. He goes, what's your mate? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, Brian, he goes, your father was a Roman. And he goes, you mean you were right? Because, well, at first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, of course, Brian's father turns out to be Nautius Maximus. Maximus yeah. I saw doing the, uh, the juice garrison. Um, anyway, Brian's quite angry by this and turns around and says, I'm, I'm not a Roman because I'm a Red Sea pedestrian. Yeah. And proud of him, which I'm a, I think is I'm a kike. I'm a kike. A hebe. A hook nose. I'm a Red Sea pedestrian. and proud of it. That is brilliant. Yeah, that is that. so good. A little bit later on, we see Brian doing his normal day job and he's got that hat on which is actually just a rim isn't it yeah, it's a cardboard rim yeah. sitting on his head and he goes over to a group of people sitting there which is John Cleese Michael Palin uh, Eric Idle and Sue Jones playing uh, Judith of Iscariot <laughs> Judith of Iscariot yeah, yeah. that's pretty good isn't it? Um, and they're all sitting there talking about what they're going to be doing and their plans now they are part of what are they called the Judean People's Front now you've got you've got the Judean <laughs> People's Front the People's Front of Judea and the popular people's front who's the splitter. splitter. So let's <laughs> let's uh, hear that uh, conversation there. Are you the Judean people's front? Fuck off. What? Judean people's front. Well, the people's front of Judea. Judean people's front. Come <laughs> Can I join your group? Now, piss off. I didn't want to sell this stuff. It's only a job. I hate the Romans as much as anybody. Are you sure? Oh, dead sure. I hate the Romans already. Listen, if you wanted to join the PFJ, you'd have to really hate the Romans. I do. Oh, yeah? How much? A lot. Right, you're in. Listen, the only people we hate more than the Romans are the fucking Judean people's fans. And the Judean popular people's front. And the people's front of Judea. The people's front of Judea. Splitters. We're the people's front of Judea. Oh. I thought we were the popular front. People's front. Whatever happened to the popular front? He's over there. Yeah. Now, what I find funny is the fact what Brian's selling, which is like otter's noses, yeah, sleep sheep. They use uh, yeah, uh, uh, wolf nipple. Wolf nipple just get more than that, that lovely. Yeah, because that <laughs> was always used a bit in earlier Monty Python with albatross, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I yeah. think it's very similar. That is, there is a bit of a nod to that, isn't albatross. it? It's the fact that what makes me laugh is the fact they're there watching a the gladiator arena. Yeah. And walk around selling nibbles, which of course they probably yeah, with the and I like the way there's no one there. 
No. It's not like, you know, in your head, you think back, you know, oh, everyone was there watching it. But realistically, most people wouldn't because they're working. No, working. Like, no one's there, no one's paying attention. <laughs> even even the, the Roman, the, the Caesar, ain't even yeah. paying attention. Also, what's, it, what's nice as well is the fact that they got the, the wimpy guy, it's almost like the David and Goliath yeah. night, isn't it? Where he's running, he just decides to run away. Yeah, I love that. And he, chases, and he dies of heart attack. And then he goes, I think I could have a car. Yeah, <laughs> <the rest." laughs> and the way he's doing that, doing his, <laughs> what he's doing that in Lad Zeppelin, he's just doing the fish going, yeah. I mean, But there's also a thing later on in that scene where you see the body being dragged away and, and the, the hand, hand left yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quite disturbing. Now, um, Brian asked to join the PJF or PFJ or the, whatever they're going to be called. And they, they, first of all, they, they don't want him to join. But then they say, all right. And what they ask them to do is to go and write uh, Romans Go Home, obviously in Latin, you know, just, just write that. And what he does, he does that, but he gets caught by a Roman who turns around, which is John Cleese, and says, uh, what does he write now? Roman A. Roman something. And he goes, uh, is it, uh, what does he go? Because he goes, uh, is it go home? Is that two? Is that yeah. two? Is that an order? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Therefore, you know, it's yeah. uh, that's pluro, singular. And then teaches him the Latin version of it and tells him to write it out 100 times. And if you don't do it in the morning, I'll, I'll cut your balls, balls off. off. <laughs> I love that. It's so John Cleese, that oh, bit, yeah. isn't it? You yeah. just think he, he wrote that bit. Oh, definitely. I'll cut your balls off. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And because he does it now, as, in the morning, he stands back and there's other two hours and he goes, and he goes I've finished. And he goes, now don't <laughs> do, do it. Do it I <laughs> and as they walk off, now this is the weird thing. He walks off and two other Romans come out and he's rather, <laughs> and they chase him because yeah. he's kind of graffitied the wall. He ends up hiding. Judith grabs him, brings him back and they all hide. From him. And Judy announces that he's done it a hundred, hundred uh, foot high. Oh, yeah. Decided, and so Brian is then uh, took into as a proper member. They then decide that what they're going to do is uh, talk about the next raid, and this is when they get what are the Romans ever done, done for yeah, us? Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the great scenes of uh, uh, you know very easy for people to be anti-colonial. Yeah. It's so easy. Oh, they're invaded by these people, mm. but that bit shows that. There's a thing called realpolitik, which means this is the truth, and that is the truth with these things. I'm afraid Rome built most of bloody exactly. land. They bled us white, the bastards. They taken everything we had, and not just from us, from our fathers, and from our fathers' fathers. And from our fathers' fathers' fathers. Yeah. And from our fathers' 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 fathers. You're a stand, don't labour the point. And what have they ever given us in return? The aqueduct? What? The aqueduct. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did give us that. Uh, that's true, yeah. And the sanitation. Oh, yeah, the sanitation, Reg. Remember what the city used to be like? Yeah, all right, I'll grant you, the aqueduct and the sanitation are two things the Romans have done. And the roads. Well, yeah, obviously yeah. the roads. I mean, the roads go without sand, don't they? But apart from the sanitation, the aqueduct and the roads... Irrigation. Medicine. Yeah. Education. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all right, fair enough. And the wine. Yeah, yeah, that's something we'd really miss, Reg, if the Romans left. <laughs> Public baths. And it's safe to walk in the streets at night now, Reg. Yeah, they certainly know how to keep order. Let's face it, the only ones who could in a place like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, the fresh water system and public health, what have the Romans ever done for us? Brought peace? Oh, peace! Shut up! 
you're right. What you're saying, you know, everything they've ever done. It's very really easy. What have the Romans ever done for us? The aqueduct. Like everyone, it's like the way uh, where everyone hates us. Mm. But you look in their countries and everything there, all the banking, all the things built by us, yeah. all the railways, the roads built by us. Yeah, we, we were pretty good when we colonised places. To a yeah, was, yeah, we did some bad things. I'm yeah, not saying that, but this is just. <laughs> I think that scene is like saying sometimes think about what you're saying. Uh, so anyway, the raid doesn't go as well because they end up meeting another army down there, and uh, poor Brian gets uh, gets captured. He gets thrown into jail, <laughs> and there's a guy hanging there. Which is Ben, played by Michael Palin, and this is what he has to say. You lucky bastard! Who's that? You lucky, lucky bastard! What? Drop the little genius pet, aren't we? What do you mean? You must have slipped him a few shekels, eh? Slipped him a few shekels? You saw him spit in my face? Oh, what wouldn't I give to be spat at in a face? Oh, sometimes I ain't awake at night dreaming of being spat at in a face. Well, it's not exactly friendly, is it? They had me in manacles. For... Manacles? Oh, oh dear heaven. It's to be allowed to be put in manacles just for a few hours. They must think the sun shines out of your arse, Sonny. Oh, let off me. I've had a hard time. you had a hard time. I've been here five years. They only owned me the right way up yesterday. So don't you come round. All right, all right. They must think you're Lord God Almighty. What would they do to me? Oh, you'll probably get away with crucifixion. Crucifixion? Yeah, first offence. Get away with crucifixion? It's the best thing the Romans ever did for us. What? Oh, yeah. If we didn't have crucifixion, this country would be in a right bloody mess. Yeah! Nail them up, I say! Yeah! Nail some sense into them! <laughs> what do you want? I want you to move me to another cell. <laughs> ah. Oh, look at that! Bloody favouritism! Shut up, you! Sorry! <laughs> now, take my case. They hung me up here five years ago. Every night they take me down for 20 minutes, then they hang me up again. Which I regard as very fair, in view of what I've done. And if nothing else, it's taught me to respect the Romans. And it's taught me that you'll never get anywhere in this life unless you're prepared to do a fair day's work I think that's what Michael Payne does best. Yeah, well, that, is. and he's spit in a minute. But I'm going to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old guy, James Romans. I bloody love the Romans, yeah. Brian. <laughs> that's so good. Now, Brian is brought in to see Caesar, and this is the bit where even you just read this line that I've got that's here, where I put what we what we read you from. <laughs> even saying it is. So, should we just play the clip for that, right? Uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's it up. It, it, to me, this is the, I think, in the top five funny scenes ever, ever made. Ever, ever made. Ever made. And, uh, you know, fair enough if you don't like that sort of, sort of humour. And yeah. I can't understand why, because it's funny. It is People funny. who don't laugh at funny words, <laughs> they don't understand humour, it's funny. Now, we're going to play this clip. Now, do me a favour... Right now, when you hit now, people who have seen this film will know what's yeah. coming. But the, for you people who've never seen this film, 
Try not to laugh. This is the funny thing, isn't it? Because the Romans, we'll put the set in. Uh, Michael Payne's playing Caesar and he's going up to the Romans wanting to know why they're laughing at the certain name that you're going to hear. You try and keep your lips pursed as if you're there, okay? And then you'll see what we mean. Hail Caesar! Hail! Only one Salinas us. Ah! Throw him to the floor. What's a... Throw him to the floor. Ah! <laughs> now, what is your name? Silence! 
Now, even playing it, is. It, it is funny. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not laugh at bigger stickers? It, no, it's a, what is the play on that? Is it? He's got a wife, you know. No, that bit. <laughs> it's that bit when you first see that film, you're crying at bigger stickers <laughs> and naughtiest Maximus. It's it's the way he fantastic. But what makes me laugh is the reason why we said try not to laugh if you can. Is when he goes up to, which is actually Chris Langham. Yeah, he's Chris Langham. Yeah, uh, yeah. When you go, when he goes up to him and, say, and he goes, uh, "Does anybody else find my friend's name biggest?" <laughs> when he's doing that, if you watch this <laughs> film, Michael Palin, <laughs> he's doing the, he's doing the funny. <laughs> but Michael Palin, when he's doing the shake, dickers. When he comes back, you watch Michael Palin. He can't keep a straight face. No, no, no. He is so desperate to laugh. But yeah, that must have took him a lot of takes because. They, because they, they said the, the giggling in it, and they must have done. They must have done ten takes of that because oh, no one just do one take. So no, 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 no. For them still be laughing after they wrote it, rehearsed it, <laughs> performed it, and then you're still laughing after all that time. That shows that's a generally funny, funny scene. Funny moment. Now Brian uses the, uh, the, the all the security, all the guards laughing as a, a way of escape, and this is where he runs up a, a half-built tower, and. Uh, falls off the top and this is when yeah. an alien spacecraft flies yeah. out of nowhere and grabs him and uh, they go off into space where they get into an alien battle yeah. and he crashes back down to earth although there is a good power line when he walks off out of the crash unhurt yeah. and that bloke goes you lucky bastard yeah. you're not great no I don't like this scene it's the only scene and I just I don't know I think it's too hectic and I think the film's so lovely paced until then it's really you know, involving story, and then all of a sudden you got, which I know is Terry Gilliam, mm. and it's typical Python to throw something in like that. That is, I understand that's them. They're, they're anarchic. For you. Yeah, yeah. But I just don't like it. It's the bit where, where if I'm in the paper, I look down at it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? The rest yeah. of it, you'd never look at your paper. You, you could cut that out, couldn't you? Yeah, you could cut that out, and you wouldn't miss it. Yeah. But I know it was just to give Teddy Gilliam something his little do. thing to do, <laughs> weren't it? I suppose because he probably wanted, like you're saying, he probably wanted to direct it as well. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a bit of a pass, like a you know passing thing. Isn't yeah. It? So um, after he gets out from this spacecraft, Brian then runs down back into the uh, headquarters of the uh, PFJ, PJ, or popular, whatever they call, um, which you're going to constantly refer to them as that because they always keep changing their name. And they're all constantly hot. And this is where you get... No, unfortunately, we can't play the clip of this because it's such uh, a visual scene. Yeah, it, but this scene is a brilliant on, scene. Explain. Well, basically, they're, they're having a discussion on which is the, which is the best way to, to crush the Romans or chuck the imperialists out. There's a knock on the door and, it's the, and they sent an old man who goes to open the door and the rest of them hide. Yeah, <laughs> but they hide. But they hide in... They don't even hide... The one puts his head under a tablecloth, don't they? <laughs> yeah. The one puts a lamp on his head. The one puts a lamp there. on his head, and there's loads of them. <laughs> Doesn't the one just bend over backwards and try and put your head in the waste paper? Yeah, and it, where, where Brian's out on a rickety old thingy. Well, there's no else that we could be. So, opens the door. No, got to go back to that because the old bloke comes up because my legs are... That's it. Yeah, my... Uh... My, uh, I'm old and weak, my legs are bent, my nose is knackered, <laughs> yeah. my eyes are... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then about... 50 Roman guards running, <laughs> then they're running out. Then he's like, he, he has an argument. Typical John Clay, yeah. he's having an argument. You, you're the weirdo. Crucifixion's a model. It could be worse. Could be worse. <laughs> How could it be worse? Crucifixion's all that good. I've had worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It is a brilliant thing. Then he goes, weirdo. Then they all come I'm out, weird. and the bloke comes out with the classic power <laughs> blowing. 
I found a spoon. <laughs> and then they come out a little bit like, well, there's a knock on the door. He goes, hold on a minute, you haven't given us a chance to hide yet. <laughs> but then while Brian's hiding out on this rickety shelf, because he falls down the land with a load of profits, and that's well, where... It's a great scene, this is. I, th- I think it's the nearest to come to a serious bit, this is. Yeah. About, basically, following false profits, this scene. Well, yeah, it? there's four different profits down there. Terry Gilliam's drafting very little. Yeah, and he's got hands on top, you know, cut off hands, and he's shouting that the devil's coming. Yeah. You've got another one who's just saying the normal prophet. And you've got Michael Payne in the class as the boring prophet. Yeah, he's doing like a Derek Nemo. He's doing a Derek Nemo. Yeah. And, and the man shall fall down, <laughs> and he shall lose his hammer, and which another hammer will come from that only his friend borrowed only yesterday. At about three it's classic. <laughs> well, of course, because Brian, uh, Brian lands on top of the Michael Payne character, and they'll all suddenly they look at him, and then he has to be a prophet. When he gets around to a and then so all the Romans come on so he carries on and it, but he's kind of rambles doesn't he and then slowly they start to listen to him he says well what you're saying he goes well just be nice to each other and he goes think about the lilies he's having a go at the lilies now <laughs> he goes no I'm not and they think you're making it you're up as you go along it's one of the classic lines out of that. Yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah. not any cat's phrase in that, if we can that? find the clip I will put it up but it's it's so visual that it, it's, yeah, it's a bit hard to but he realises then of course that all the Romans have gone and he gets down but they still want to hear more off him so he, he escapes again tries to buy a beard and a gorge and that's when you get the, the bartering scene which is that was actually a lot longer than I cut that quite yeah, a bit it's okay. it's okay it's okay it's one of them scenes it, it, when you've saw it loads it becomes irritating doesn't it it does a bit yeah just do you know what I mean by that on, you just get on with it so anyway Brian then just runs off with this gourd which is which looks like a kind yeah. of almost like a and bar, leaves his sandal as he's running around he's, he falls over and he loses a sandal and this is when all the crowd who is chasing him lifts up and say follow the sandal the sandal the thing and this is where you get you know, the follow the false following when it's about to me that's about the different versions of religion where they're basically the same mm. but they follow stupid things now we know when they say he's disappeared it's a miracle it's a mystical and John Cleary goes ah no, there he is. Yeah. And they all run after him. There's a guest star here who's left standing on his own. Who is that guest it's star? It's the classic uh, old Mr. Spike Milligan. Yeah. In which he goes, stop. Stop. Let us... Oh. And then just walks off camera. Now, he was going to be back in that. But he buggered off and went home. <laughs> <laughs> That's no sense of brother. Because they all worship Spike Milligan, didn't they? And rightly so. Uh, now, Brian, on the run, uh, sees a hole in the bottom and asks this guy who's called Simon this chap which is played by Terry Gilliam an old man with a big long beard which way he can go of course Simon doesn't answer so what Brian does is jump into the hole and lands on this guy's foot and he goes ow and of course he's broke his vow of silence and uh, we're going to play that bit now which all the crowd come up and uh, and do some very silly stuff so here hey is there another way down is there another path down to the river Please, please help me. I've got to get... Oh, my foot. Oh, oh damn, damn, damn. I'm sorry. Oh, damn, damn it. Blast it. I'm sorry. Can you sleep? 18 years of devil silence. Can you sleep? What? I've kept my bow for 18 years. Not a single recognizable articulate sound has passed my lips. Can you be quiet for another five minutes? Oh, it doesn't matter now. I'm not sure. Enjoy myself. I've lost 18 years. I wanted to shout and sing and scream my name out. Oh, I'm alive. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm alive! I'm alive! Hello, 
Kill him, kill the heretic. Yeah. And that's actually <laughs> yeah. quite whole because he's eating his juniper berries. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And because of he's a non believer, they then decide to kill Simon. And that's what happened. And yeah. that's actually quite, that's another, as you say, sometimes there's a serious There is, no. I'll tell you what there is. There's a lot of pathos in it. Mm. You know, serious comedy. There's a certain thing, but you can be funny saying serious things. Yeah. And that is, the, there is bits in it because, like I said, it's a very silly comedy. Yeah. It's also one of the cleverest comedies you'll ever. That, that mix-up is really hard to do. Oh, yeah. Now, Brian escapes and heads back home. And uh, in his home, he finds Judith, and, uh, and uh, probably unusual for Graham Chapman, ends up going to bed with Judith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, which is a full-on full on naked shot of, uh, yeah, of, of it's Judith a, first. When I first yeah. saw that, I thought, my God, they're... Um, 
breasts and, and stuff. And, yeah, and Neck, she's she's rather hirsute as it's inside the So then we go to see him, and then suddenly uh, Brian's mom pops in and says, "What have you been doing?" Of course, it's a bit embarrassed because uh, you know. Yeah. And outside is a massive crowd, and Judith comes up and says, "You know," on a <laughs> Brian goes out there and he opens the door. Fair play to Graham Chapman. Uh, That's probably the one point you decided uh, that he wish he hadn't given up drinking. I've got to say, I couldn't do that. I wouldn't want to do a full naked shot. (laughs) Not with so many people staring at me. Because actually did that scene, didn't they? Yeah, and so he comes back in and puts some clothes on, and Judith comes out fully naked, saying he's you know he's wonderful. He goes and he goes out and speaks to them. And he only gets a minute out there, and she's dragged back in by his mum, and then she comes out, and they will ask you basically if she's a virgin. Yeah. Because because it's a bit of a personal question. It's a personal (laughs) question, which is brilliant. And that's when she turned around. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy, which of course is another well, uh, well. Well, yeah, that, that that to me that, that is the only Dal falling through the thing yeah, scene, yeah, isn't it? If you ever show it in British TV, it's always, it's always that, that, one, that isn't scene, isn't it? Now, when Brian comes down and says, "See, the whole of the bottom of his house is filled with people coming to play. There's mad people. There's people talking in tongues. It's the scene where we get to see uh, George Harrison do his cameo scene, and John Cleese's character Reg." Is basically organising Brian to, you know, uh, to be this. Well, they're using him, aren't they? That, that, that's it. It's like all, all, um, all religious people behind them. I mean, false people. You know, mm. we're, we're horrible people. They generally got a bigger organisation, but they're them. being used as well. Yeah, that was in that Louis oh, Farrell program. Like that, that was in that Dylan Brown program, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. These people, I don't think that they're bad people, but. They've been exploited by a... and exploited by the background staff. It's how you say someone's like exactly how politics works, where the oh, leader yeah. of the country, not necessarily the most powerful person in charge. Well, it never is. Never is. Now, Brian escapes the house and goes and sits down and he talks to Judy. If he turns around, he says, "The revolution started and you're in charge." And this is where you see Brian go, "No, this is not what I was on about. I was telling people to turn around and do what you, you want, want to, to do. do. Follow your own mind." And of course, as soon as Judy turns around and says, "You're the revolution. You're in charge," John Cleese turns off. You were fantastic. You weren't so bad yourself. No, what you said just now was quite extraordinary. What? Well, that was it. We don't need any leaders. You're so right. Reg has been dominating us for too long. Well, yes. It needed saying. And you said it, Brian. You're very interesting. It's our revolution. We can all do it together. I think... I think... We're all behind you, Brian. The revolution is in your hands. What? No, that's not what I meant at all. You're fucking nicked me, old beauty. Right. Now, the next scene, it does seem like we're going through this, but with all the clips added in, it's a bit hard. Because, I mean, let's face it, we could put in clip after clip after clip. Well, basically, after. the film. We could just play the whole film. <laughs> you know what we should have done? We should have done a commentary with the film playing in the background. That's a good idea. We'll do that one day. We'll yeah, that's that good idea. That's good thing. Now, this is another one. We're back with uh, Pilot. I think we called him Caesar earlier on, but he actually he's put more it's a pot, pot, yeah, it's a pot, pot, pilot. And this is where he gets to address. Now, as, you, as we all know, when crucifixion is going to happen, they're allowed to have one person go free, as we know in the Bible, but it was not Jesus that was chosen, it was, uh, Barabbas. It was Barabbas, wasn't yeah. it? And so in this point, they, <laughs> they turn around. Now, Pilate obviously has a speech impediment, which he can't say the R word. Yeah. And his friend, Bicus Dickus, cannot say the S word. So let's play this clip here, and uh, this is, you'll see what we mean. Now, during filming of that uh, scene, Terry Jones had to get on his on his 
on his back and wave his legs in the air to get everyone in the crowd because obviously they don't speak English yeah. they didn't know what they were laughing at but he pulls it up but you can see it's the, the, whole, the whole saying that they sometimes say infectious laughter is the best cure for anything and as soon as what several people started laughing the whole crowd literally did start laughing uh-huh. and so that's pure that's pure natural laughter that you hear there and I think there's some beautiful jokes in it there really is but of course then I'm going to go and release Brian mm. and this is when you get um, the more queuing up to get their crosses and where you've got the jailer played by Terry Gilliam and you've also got Michael Palin playing the nice Roman well he always <laughs> look yeah another Derek Nemo role isn't it yeah it is really <laughs> when he feels really bad saying crucifixion yeah, oh, yeah that's one it. cross on the left I always think he's one of the only nice characters isn't it mm. he's yeah, a nice, that, that, he's that, a nice yeah. guy isn't he yeah and of course you've got Mr. Mr. Cheeky uh, who played by Eric Idle? Nah, nah, release. Oh, brilliant. He goes, nah, I'm only pulling the air. I know where he's one cross on the left, which makes it out that he's been crucified before. <laughs> so <laughs> that's obviously the scene that like, one way he says, nah, nah, there's still time for us to be, to be yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, released or freed. You know, he's, he's, uh, his brother always comes up to help the night when he ain't been here, been on the juice. Um, they then walked up to be crucified, and you've got Terry Jones plays the guy who goes, Let me bear the burden of your cross. <laughs> yeah, he goes, like... Cheers, and book us up. Yeah, yeah, that's what they all say. And they get taken up to the to the side of the hill where they're all going to be crucified. And I think this bit is actually done really well, especially the bit where after raising Michael Payne up, who we heard earlier on being called Big Nose at the Sermon of the Man, turns around and says, you Roman git. Yeah. And he goes, you Jewish turd. And he goes, what do you mean Jewish? I'm a Samaritan. So let's play that clip now. Bloody Roman, watch it. Got a few crosses left. Up you go, Big Nose. Oh, I'll get you for this, you bastard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. I'll never forget a face. No. I'll warn you. I'm going to punch you. Stop it, you Roman git. Shut up, you Jewish turd. Who are you calling Jewish? I'm not Jewish. I'm a Samaritan. A Samaritan? This is supposed to be a Jewish section. It doesn't matter. You're all going to die in a day or two. It may not matter to you, Roman, but it certainly matters to us, doesn't it, darling? Oh, rather... Under the terms of the Roman occupancy, we're entitled to be crucified in the purely Jewish area. Pharisees, separate from Sadducees, and Swedish, separate from Welsh. All right, all right, all right, we'll soon settle this. Hands up, all those who don't want to be crucified here. Right. Next! No, I love these clips. Because yeah, the fact yeah. they're so different in many races. And the way that you said that, he goes, well, raise your arm up if you want to come down. No, they're on this cross now, and then Reg turns up, John Cleese, with the rest of the uh, PFJ, and PJF. And they all give him a, for he's a jolly good fellow. And yeah. they don't hear him turn around saying, you bastards. Yeah, yeah. You absolute <laughs> Now, as he's cursing them, of course... John Cleese comes back up again and there's that quick shot there yeah. because they're all using stand-ins where you're it's so obviously not John Cleese yeah, it's so yeah, obviously yeah. some Tunisian guy because it does look like Boat which is a bit weird yeah. turns around and says who's Brian we come to release Brian and this is of course when you get the take on uh, Spartacus yep with uh, I'm Brian <laughs> yeah but the thing with that you're right because it's so well done if he just would if we wouldn't have been moving off yeah. He would have heard it. He would have heard it and would have been released <laughs> yeah, because, because they realise that of course this guy Mr yeah. Cheeky knows that his name's Brian yeah. and being Mr Cheeky goes yeah I'm Brian and then the guy behind is the, gives the funny line he goes no I'm Brian and so, so is my, my wife, wife. Yeah. <laughs> now Mr Cheeky gets released and as he's being dragged off and he goes no no I'm only joking yeah. bleeding moments can't I take a joke yeah. and leaves Brian up there Judith comes up to say well done Brian I think you've done a great cause of course that's his love guy and then his mother comes up and then gives him the 
you know, all hell breaks yeah. loose around you. Absolute disappointment. Sex, sex, sex. That's what's always <laughs> on your mind. And she walks off. And then we get the end of the film. Now, I know it probably seems like it's actually based through this. What about but... the Suicide Squad? Ah, now the Suicide Squad come up the hill. Playboy Cuddle again. It's a bizarre scene when, when you think it. It's got nothing. It's no, no. relevance to them. They never... Well, this is what I was saying earlier, yeah. because this is the character that actually had a bigger role in the film, uh, in which they were, they were quite almost like anti-Semitic. They've got uh, the, the star of David with the yellow patch on, with uh, a Nazi, with what we call the swastika. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it has a different name in Rome, but it yeah, actually yeah. meant peace, didn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and of course, they come and go, uh, who are you? Because we are Suicide Squad, and they kill themselves. Yeah, yeah. Now, that showed them. That showed them. <laughs> <laughs> you silly bastards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so Brian's left up there with all the other people, which of course was all the other pythons. And uh, Amy Coddle turns around and says, you know, cheer up, Brian. And this is when we get the song, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, which, of course, we're going to play at the end. So let's have a look at the, the cast of characters, and then we'll say what we feel about this, this film afterwards. So uh, all the Pythons play uh, different roles in it, which is, of course, what happened in Holy Grail. <clears throat> Terry Gilliam is the one who played virtually all the bystanders and hangers-on. So Graham Chapman. Graham Chapman played the lead character of Brian. He also played Biggest Dickers and the Second Wise Matt. Uh, I think Graham Chapman did a fantastic job playing Brian. It's, it's the, I, I was trying to think who else <laughs> yeah, could... you right there. I was just thinking, else, who else would do that role? John Cleese couldn't do it. No. Because the one thing you didn't get with John Cleese empathy... <laughs> no, not at all. You don't get that with him. He's, he's a loot, like I said... You and I saw him recently. Mm. And did he, men- did he mention... Did he mention uh, Love of Brian? Yeah, they did. They did mention it briefly, but he was mainly more of his solo stuff more than anything else. Uh, but, but no, I don't think... He doesn't have the warmth. A he's fantastic not, actor, a fantastic bloke. Oh, yeah, but he's too yeah. angry. He's, like, he's too angry. But that's what, yeah. But that's the reason why... I think yeah, no, 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 I said he's my favourite one anyway. And the Biggest Dickers role, he's just... Oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And Biggest Dickers is only in it for one scene. Yeah. But the way that he says, Thampton, the Thattery, the Langla. Now, John Cleese plays Reg, the leader of the uh, People's from the Judea, or the People Judeas from or whatever else we yeah, call yeah. it. Uh, he also played the High Priest, who gets stoned at the beginning. Centurion of the Yard, which is the main centurion of it. Deadly Dirk, Arthur, and the First Wise Man. Yeah. Uh, Terry Gilliam, uh, of course, is the person. Uh, is another person for the mount who says, "Did you hear that?" He says, "Blessed are the Greek." Uh, he plays the Blood and Thunder Prophet, which is the one that was on the way with the yeah, hands yeah, yeah. being cut off. Uh, Jeffrey, the uh, jailer, and of course, he plays Frank. Now, his jailer is brilliant. He's the one. I think he just played classic. Terry no, it's the way he's doing it. Well. And then they walk away and he goes on talking. Yeah. Well, that's the classic. That is a classic. Yeah, I'll see if, if I can grab that, I'll stick that in there. Yeah, that's piping all over. Really. But the way that you yeah, got every card all this time, man, he's got the stutter in it. Have they gone yet? Don't worry about him, so he's mmm. He's mmm. He goes, what? And he's plenty ball around the back. And as you say, as soon as they walk off, he goes, so anyway, I was saying to him the other day. Now, Eric Carter plays, as said, Mr. Cheeky. He plays Stan, stroke Loretta. Now, we did bring this up. Now, Stan, stroke Loretta. Stan wants to be a woman, doesn't he? It's I? a good scene, and we're going to keep it. You're going to just stay in the box. Yes. Yeah. I want the right to have a, uh, right <laughs> to have a baby, but you haven't got a womb. You haven't got a womb, because don't you repress me. I'm not <laughs> repressing you, Stan. It's just against nature. Now, that's another class line, isn't it? Yeah, that's like, yeah. Uh, he also plays Harry the Haggler. Uh, Corpy woman who cast the first stone during the, uh, the uh, stone scene. Intensely dull youth, which I'm not too sure. I think that must have been the cut line. Mm. Okay, uh, Otto, the suicide squad, the jailer's assistant, and Mr. Frisbee the third. Now, Mr. Frisbee the third is the character who sings the song "Always Look Under Bright." Oh, yeah. uh, Cherry Jones plays uh, Brian's mom, Mandy. 
He also plays Colin, Simon the Holy Man, who's, uh, who's kept the silence. Saintly Passerboy is the one who had to carry the, uh, the cross. And the man in the crowd who's shouting, uh, release Wadja, is, you know what his character name is? What? Bob Hoskins. Bloody hell, I didn't even know he had a name. Yeah, Bob Hoskins. Uh, Michael Plain plays Mr. Big Nose, <laughs> which yeah. is a brilliant character. Yeah. Uh, he plays Francis, Miss, uh, Mrs. A, uh, ex-leper, and Ben, the, uh, the, the guy who's in the cell. Uh, he also plays Pontius Pilate, which is brilliant, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Boring Prophet, Eddie, Noisus Wheatus, and Third Wise Man. Uh, Jesus Christ is played by Kenneth Coley. Uh, Neil Innes plays a weedy Samaritan. Gwen Taylor plays Mrs. Big Nose, woman with the sick donkey, if you remember that's the donkey. Now, did Neil Innes have anything to do with the song? Um, it must have been I some think form. I think the main song was, played by, uh, was done by John DePoos. Yeah. Uh, but I think he probably did some incidental music. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Bailey plays Gregory Dennis. Carol Cleveland, of course, turns up in his playing Mrs. Gregory. Uh, she's really to uh, me she's a, she's a python she is a python and, and why she's never talked about it. she's a python she's I know quite, she doesn't she, write that no but she is always fondly ta- mentioned by the pythons as yeah. the other python of course now Carol plays Mrs Gregory which is of course you know, uh, I'm blind and so is my wife yeah. uh, Charles McComb plays man for the fourth domain sneak blind man false prophet and jiggling guard uh, Sue Jones Davis plays Judith John Young plays Matthias who's the old guy uh, Bernard McKenna plays the Stoner's Help and Porvis. Bernard McKenna actually had a bigger part as Pilot's wife, is a huge person. Uh, Spike Milligan plays Spike, and of course George Harrison plays Mr. Poppadopoulos. Now, we need to talk a little bit about, of course, the controversy. controversy well, you've got to talk about it because, uh, to me, I don't even know why it is a controversial film. Uh, you know, maybe because we've, you know, we don't, you know. We don't follow anyone. We don't, we don't follow the faith, so, I mean, but... We don't even follow faith, means we just make our own mind up on things. I don't mm. want to read some bloke 1,000, 2,000 miles away telling me what I should and what shouldn't watch. Well, I think the MP3, uh, the MP3 and I think the, the two emails that we got, actually... Uh, yeah, that's it. So, I think any right normal person thinks that yeah. and watches this film. Well, shall I read that now? Go on. Now give us the listener comments. Okay, so uh, here's the first email. Uh, hey, guys, just a short email to give you my view on Life of Brian. Monty Python's Life of Brian goes in as my favourite Monty Python movie. Many would claim it is Holy Grail, but I disagree. Holy Grail is good, but does not seem but does seem to just peter out at the end. There's no conclusion to the story, and it's as if the writers just woke up one day and said, Meh, I can't be bothered with this anymore, which is actually pretty much how the movie ends. Brian doesn't do this. Instead, we get the full story of some guy all the way through to so it's fan, to its fantastic conclusion. A life story that has many comparisons to, and seems to mirror that of a certain important figure within the Christian religion, Jesus Christ himself. As we all know, this movie was blasted by many for being blasphemous, but, in my opinion, Christ isn't ridiculed in the slightest, not once. What we do get are attacks on organised religion, which I think is fair game, along with fun pokes at religious fanatics. Again, fair game. I feel the need here to express that there is a big difference between genuine people of faith and religious fanatics because people of faith should be respected for their beliefs they are honest and good people who are always eager to help those less fortunate than themselves whereas religious fanatics well they deserve to be ridiculed don't they just for being so stupid and this movie ridicules them well there's not a lot I can tell you about the film. You two always seem to have pretty much covered anything we would want to know by this time. You get to read this email. So I'll just give the movie a big thumbs up. 
and be on my way. Ta-ta. And that's, uh, cheers. And that's from Anthony from the Scuttercast. So that's uh, real nice. And the next one is this. Uh, hi, Meds. Hi, Cal. Really enjoying the WAP so far. Uh, Waffle on podcast. Now, I do not really know only fools and horses, but I did enjoy your podcast about it. And next time it's on TV, I may give it a go. That being said... Um, it was true what you said. The one scene I do know of Only Falls and Horses is the Chandeliers one. And if memory serves me right, I did laugh. Anyway, moving on. I was very happy to hear you were going to do a show on Monty Python because they do hold a special place in my heart. Now, you have to remember that I am French. Uh, I grew up in France and only moved in the UK to the UK sorry, in my 20s. Growing up in France, I of course studied English at school and having found that I was quite good at it, decided to continue with my English studies at uni. And that's where I discovered... Monty Python, as well as Faulty Towers, and I was hooked, and they are partly to blame for my sense of humour and me living in the UK, I think. Now, watching these films always takes me back to my student years in Toulouse. I remember going to see Life of Brian at the cinema many times over, and for once, making the point to go and see a film in VO, which is a uh, version original. Not, uh, not overdubbed in French, but if it had been dubbed, it would not have been half as good. In fact, I also remember that an independent cinema, Lee Rex, not far from my flat, made the point of showing Life of Brian quite regularly as all students of English and students with good taste, often the same people if you ask me, will unfailingly queue up to watch it. And of course, I was one of them. I would not be able to say how many times I have watched The Holy Grail, Life of Brian, The Meaning of Life, but if I had to choose one as my favourite, I think I would go with Life of Brian, closely followed by Holy Grail. Maybe Life of Brian is my favourite one because I was raised a Catholic and having discovered Life of Brian at a time of my life where I had rejected this part of my upbringing, it resonates with me more than others. Okay, having written this, I think I'm going to have to go and pop the DVD back in. Thank you very much. Adil. Okay, now then, let's play Patrick Stratford's MP3. Hello, Meds and Kel. It's Patrick here and I just wanted to send in some audio feedback uh, about your waffle on about Monty Python's Life of Brian. Um, I think it's true what people say, that it's probably the greatest comedy movie ever made, and I think certainly the most controversial. Um, this was actually the very first thing of Monty Python that I ever watched, and it was my dad that actually um, asked me to watch it. Um, apparently he first saw it when he was 14 years old at the cinemas, and I think I was about the same age when I saw it for the first time, and I just loved it. Um, I think the jokes are very well structured and um, the comedic timing as ever is just spot on. Um, I didn't realise at first that John Cleese was actually involved with Monty Python because um, I was only familiar with him for being in Faulty Towers and I think my favourite scene in the film is um, the stoning scene. Who threw that then? Come on! Um, in fact, I recently saw John Cleese live at the Theatre Royal in Glasgow, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And even from a distance, he's incredibly tall. Um, I felt it could have been a bit longer, but given that Cleese is approaching what well, he is in his early 70s, you know, there's only so much he can do. But nevertheless, it was a good show, and you know, the clips that were shown got a very good response, particularly the fish slapping dance from the TV series and the Black Knight scene from Holy Grail. Um, to round this off, I just want to say that I really am enjoying the podcast and I'm looking forward to what you guys do next. So much so that um, this show has actually inspired me to start up my own podcast about Last of the Summer Wine, uh, one of my favourite TV shows. 
It's um, let's just say it's going through a bit of a slow start at the moment, but hopefully the first episode should be out by the time this Waffle On edition comes out. So um, keep up the good work, guys, and hope to see you soon. So uh, as we said, you know, uh, exactly. So let's let's talk about that controversy then. Now the the film was actually banned in uh, several places in England, including Torbay. Up until very, very... Re- and they showed it recently, didn't it they? Did. But do you know, actually, that the, the cat date was never actually banned? It was never banned? And they figured out it wasn't actually banned. I just forgot to show it. Oh, But places like Ipswich, there's places in Scotland banned it and only recently lifted it up. In England, I think, that, that I think was... banned in Ireland. It was banned in Ireland, again, only recently shown. Uh, again, banned by people who hadn't seen the film <laughs> and also by, uh, Hugh, uh, by rights campaigner Mary Whitehouse. Well, there was two people who were uh, villains in this. Mm. was Mary Whitehouse. Yeah. And like I said, we were talking about this today, weren't we? Mm. We can't find it, but there's a very famous... I'm sure if people really wanted to search out, they could find it. Well, I'll read you out. This is, this is what we're on about. Um, shortly after the film was released, John Cleese and Michael Palin engaged in what would become an infamous debate on the BBC2 discussion programme Friday night, Saturday morning, in which Malcolm Muggeridge and Mervyn Stockwood, the Bishop of Southwark, put the case against the film... Now, Muggeridge and Bishop had arrived 15 minutes late to see the screening of the picture prior to the debate, so they missed the establishing scene demonstrating that Brian and Jesus were two different characters and hence contended that it was a send-up of Christ himself. Both Pythons later felt that they had been a strange role reversal in this manner of the debate, with two young upstart comedians attempting to make serious, well-researched points while the establishment figures engaged in cheap jibes and point-scoring they also expressed disappointment in Muggeridge, whom all in Python had previously respected as a satirist. Cleese expressed that his reputation had plummeted in his eyes, while Palin commented that he was just being Muggeridge, preferring to have been a very strong contrary opinion as opposed to none at all. Muggeridge's version of the film, or at least what he'd seen of it, was that it was such a tenth-rate film that it couldn't possibly destroy anyone's genuine faith. Now, we've seen this... Um, Clip somewhere it's, we've seen it, haven't we? It was well, on for the, the life of me. I can't find it. I think I've got it on. I've got a DVD called the Monty Python and the Case Against. There must be something because I remember watching it. It was on. It's been on a few times, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, been a few times. And, and it's you a great. See, well, you see Michael Payne. He turns around. He, and very rare for Michael Payne to lose his temper. Turns around. And says, he does, oh, doesn't It's he? really good that you went in with an open opinion. Yeah. Well, no, you know, me, you know, what opened my eyes up to that thing that. Before that, I saw that when I was young, quite younger, and I thought, oh yeah, they're just silly comedians. Mm. Then you see that they're intellects, they're intellectuals, yeah. they're Monty Point, they're, they're clever, mm. clever people. It, it actually makes you angry watching. It, it does because well, that's, it's, it's the way he says, as the bishop sitting there, you know, twirling his cross, yeah. saying all things. And this is really what puts the worst thing against people. Well, well, that kind of people, I think, really, it turns people against them, and rightfully so, because at, afterwards they thought they were being all high and mighty. It was the Pythons who came out and won the crowd over. They did, and actually, quite a few places then dropped their ban. Now in America, of course, it took a different stance. There was well, no, I think they showed it like on the the East and West Coast. It was shown, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. but it, it's but the Bible about like the Bible about, and I think it's, it's still. I'm not 100% sure. sure. And, it's and hard to ban anything these We days. would like anybody to actually, uh, yeah. who hasn't seen the film, who maybe has a favour or anything like that, to watch it 
after hearing our podcast and then come back to us and see yeah, what you definitely. Because I guarantee that you, you'll actually you'll actually see what the film well, is well, really You'll about. find it really funny. You'll be you'll laughing find, yeah, you'll and you'll really think, funny. what am I laughing about? What, what is all the controversy? It doesn't even mention atheism or anything no. about Jesus or about God. It doesn't... And I think the one thing that really annoys me and you about this is the fact that the people who, who attempted to ban the film and tell people not to watch it have never seen it. It's that classic thing that's really annoying, isn't it? Mm. It is really annoying. That thing, I, I don't need to watch it to know I'm not going to like it. Well, yes, you do. Yeah. Oh, when it comes to film and media, yeah, because I mean, you wouldn't have had to say, uh, "I know that I'm not going to enjoy eating a turd." No, but <laughs> no, but at a basic level, you don't, no, and you, no. you, anything you don't know. But if it's not going to destroy you, yeah. if like I've said, I always said what John Cleese said about that. If you watch that film and your faith is uh, challenged by it, you don't you not you don't believe in it properly. You don't, yeah, you don't, you don't believe it because if a comedy film makes you think, "Oh my God, mm. my faith's all made up," you've got a problem. Yeah, yeah. If that film's going to do for you, then that, that's the same. It, you know, there's a lot worse films about criticism of religion than that, yeah. and they got through dogma. Well, yeah, dogma's a lot worse because that is really anti-Catholicism, isn't it? Well, yeah, done by, directed by, wrote and directed by a man who does have a strong faith. Yeah. Kevin Smith is a Catholic. He's but he knew satire. Well, you he, can satire what because you... Because he's, yeah, he's intelligent and so hopefully the people are who watch this. So, there we go. Uh, as I think we, you could probably tell how much me and Cal love this film uh, and probably maybe we might have come across as defending it a bit too much. Who no, knows? Uh, so much. Hopefully our defence in that film has, has also been uh, smoothed out with the clips that we've put in there which uh, I think uh, everyone's going to enjoy um, we will be doing Monty Python's Meaning of Life yeah we are because we are going to do the three we're not going to do no for something completely different no no no, no it's not it's not we've, already, we've already covered that in uh, Monty Python's yeah. uh, Flying Circus uh, so uh, should we announce what we're going to do next what next Go month's on, uh, gem is going to be you can announce it so it is the 18 yes that's right the classic 1980s American TV programme that me and you were brought up on <laughs> yes. it was our still work Saturday night before we had our cobs and crisps yeah, yeah, yeah. it was uh, people might not know what cobs are outside of England no 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 there you go outside of Birmingham Wikipedia no oh, no you might get something else though. Oh, let's look at there <laughs> that's yeah, BAPS <laughs> yeah that's true okay yeah, uh, BAPS out yeah Ooh. so we're going to be we're going to be covering uh, the A team so if you've got any comments on Life of Brian or of course any of our past uh, shows that we've done or you want to send us a comment in about the A-Team, please do. And you can send that to waffleonpodcast at gmail.com. Or, of course, leave a comment on our Facebook group page. It is a group page, remember that. Uh, there was a bit of a worry that Facebook might have been taking down groups, but they don't seem to have took ours down, so that's a bit of a relief. Is that because people are making offences? 173 members now. Is it gone up or down? By three. It's gone up? Yeah. That's good. I thought he's gone down again because every time I look on there, he's going up and down. Because you're looking Who is it? Who keeps it? Yeah, maybe I. Are comment. you taking yourself off? Yes. Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I've left the group. You left the group. So it's yeah, we, we're gonna. <laughs> now you can. Uh, you can follow us, of course, on Twitter. You can follow me at Hawkeye Meds or Waffle on Podcast. We uh, do have a Waffle on Podcast uh, Twitter account now. So. Now we're going to play some promos, uh, including a new one, which is all about Last of the Summer Wine. And we're going to play the end song from Life of Brian, which is Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Kel, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. And we'll see you all next month. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello. My name is Patrick. And I present the last of the Summer Wine Podcast, a podcast which celebrates the longest-running comedy series in the world. 
In this show, I intend to look at every episode from start to finish, as well as looking at the various people who worked on Summer Wine for many years. If you have been a fan of the show for a long time, or only recently just got into the series, then this is the podcast for you. You can find us at http colon slash slash summerwinepodcast.podbean.com I didn't do anything. What did you do? Nothing. You're the bad one between the two of us. Well, that is true. <laughs> I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And we're the socially functional co-hosts of Anomaly. The podcast with a unique perspective, a female perspective on all things geek. Star Trek. Star Wars. Lord of the Rings. Buffy. Firefly. Gaming. Books. Costuming. And general geek topics. The sometimes monthly, but always entertaining, Anomaly Podcast. Anomalypodcast.com Attention, attention, it's finally here, the first and only podcast dedicated to one of the most groundbreaking television series in history, M.A.S.H., Join the hosts of MASH 4077 Podcast, Kenny, Meds, and Al, as they discuss their thoughts episode by episode. They will also share with you some little-known behind-the-scenes information, trivia, and so much more. Find them on iTunes by searching MASH 4077 Podcast or online at www.mash4077.podbean.com. Hello, I'm Dan and this is Lee. Hello! And together we are Lee and Dan's Midnight Movie Club. You see, every week we come together and we review classic popcorn movies of the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> For example, so far we've reviewed Teen Wolf. Which was great! Teen Wolf 2. Which was awful. The Last Starfighter. Which was great! Cannonball Run. Awful! Army of Darkness. Awesome! <laughs> Police Academy. Mission to Moscow. Not so awesome. Worst film in the history of mankind. And Pee-wee's Big Adventure. The second worst film in the history of mankind. So if you want to hear more of our highly intelligent, uh, incisive film critique, come over to midmoclub.com. That's M-I-D-M-O club.com. And check out our podcast. Or you could just type Midnight Movie Club into iTunes. If you have iTunes. Yes. If you don't have it, it'll be harder. That's right. So we'll hope we'll uh, you'll listen to us soon. Uh, to be fair, though, I quite like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Well, you're an idiot. Hello, I'm Meds. You're not Meds. <laughs> and I'm Kel. You're not Kel either. I don't even sound like him, do I? I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm I sound not like sure. the Geico lizard. Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to do that. Anyway, hey, we love Waffle On. Waffle On's fun. I just love the podcast. Meds and Kel, you're so cool. By the way, this is Rick. And this is Amy, and we are the hosts of Take Him With You. It's the weekly podcast where we discuss our geeky Moyer home. Yes, we are geeky. And we're really fun, though. We talk about our faith and how it relates to the world around us. And I absolutely love Star Trek heavy metal music. It's just too much fun. And I tolerate Star Trek and don't like heavy metal music at all. (laughs) What do you like? I like reading and quiet music and home and garden TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You like some of British sci-fi stuff, right? You know, I do like some sci-fi. I I really do, but um, just I'm not as passionate about it as you are. That's okay. We've lived together for 24 years and... uh, 
It's okay. Opposites attract, and we're still we're we're still married, eh? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. That's Canadian. That's not English. Oh well. I say we go have a cup of tea. In, indeed. Indeed. Indubitably. Indubitably. I can't even say that. You do like tea, though. I do like tea. Yes. Earl Grey, hot. Well, anyway, if you get a chance to listen to our podcast, do so. It's at TakeHimWithYou.com, or you can find us on... iTunes. Just look up Take Him With You. And you can hit the little subscribe button, and it's free. Yep. So thanks, Meds and Kel. Have a great day, and uh, thanks for uh, letting us do our promo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Tea time. Cheer up, Brian. You know what they say? Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life If life seems jolly rotten There's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps Don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle That's the thing And always look on the bright side of life Come on! Always look on the right side of life For life is quite absurd And death's the final word You must always face the curtain with a bow Forget about your scene Give the audience a grin Enjoy it, it's your last chance anyhow So always look on the right side of death Just before you draw your terminal breath Life's a piece of shit when you look at it Life's a laugh and death's a joke, it's true You'll see it's all a show, keep them laughing as you go Just remember that the last laugh is on you And always look on the right side